Hey, Tommy from the Run Testers, and welcome to the Run Testers podcast. This episode is a UTMB special. So, myself, Mike, and Nick have all been out to Chamonix recently to see various parts of the UTMB series of races. In this episode, myself and Mike are going to be talking about our experiences over there, some of the kit we were testing while we were out uh, on the trails, and about the whole experience of the the event while we were there. We'll also be speaking to our friend. We'll also be speaking to a friend of ours, Howard Calver, who is a journalist and an ultra runner and a very good road runner. He's going to be talking about his experience running this year's UTMB race and what it was like to be out there for a long time running over the mountains. Hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Hey Mike, how you doing? I'm good, good, good. Hot, hot in my room. Uh, well, <laughs> we won't get used to it because we're going to get back to. We're going to be in the UK autumn soon. I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, Everyone yeah. says that now, <laughs> and they'll be moaning about the, the the rain. I prefer training in the colder conditions anyway. So bring, yeah. the, bring on the cold conditions. <laughs> Well, this is a podcast special because we have both just been out to Chamonix for UTMB in various ways. Nick was actually out there as well, but um, yeah. he's busy tonight, so he's uh, not involved. So yeah, we, we've, we've just been out to, to Chamonix. You've been there before. How many times have you been there before? That was the that was the third time. I went last year. I couldn't stay for the entire UTMB, so it's quite nice to actually see it from start to finish this year. And, you know, be able to travel around. There was a couple of places, well, one part I couldn't go to this time, but I did get to see the race from a couple of other spots I haven't done before. So it's been quite nice. And the weather was generally good. I mean, I think the early part of UTMB week wasn't fantastic for races, but yeah. in terms of the time we were there, it was pretty nice. So, uh, well, we, we were basically viewing. on holiday, weren't we? <laughs> we had a perfect trip, a little bit of weather, lots of other good races, big races. But I suppose for the, for the listeners, I imagine most people listening to this probably know what UTMB is, but if you don't know uh, about UTMB, it's probably one of, if not the biggest series of trail races in the world. It's basically everyone descends on Chamonix for, I think it's about a week and a half, and there's just a massive series of trail races of varying lengths across across that week. It's a phenomenal um, experience, and I, not one that I, I've never, I always see you nip out and other people, and I've never been out. I've been to Chamonix a few times, but I've never been there for UTMB. And what I guess the thing that I never really understood about it was that people go out there who aren't racing. They just go out there for the experience of the UTMB. And, and before going there, I, I, I was I couldn't get my head around it. Why was people going to the, if they're not racing? What, what are they going there? Yeah, I went. I think the first time I went, I went with Garmin. They were launching one of the Phoenix watches. And then last year I went with Hocker. And then I went with Hocker again this year. And for me, without doubt, this was the biggest it has felt in terms of, I think, brand presence but also the number of people and i think the great thing about it is that the people in chamois really kind of embrace the runners being there i mean i don't know how well that's going to last as it grows and it looks like it's continuing to grow but you know it's just a cool and i mean i was bumping into people that say who were doing races during the week who were just there to watch it and never watched it before and yeah i, I can just see it getting bigger and bigger just because the spread of runs across that week and just being in chamois where you know it's a beautiful place to kind of run a lot yeah. of elevation <laughs> oh, completely and it's it, you get a side so i think you probably saw a side of it which you were getting up <laughs> early mornings late nights to watch all the starts i didn't do that i basically just sort of <laughs> experienced the the whole ambiance and you know nipped and tried out some bars and stuff like that but i think that's quite good because we we got we both got different sides of it and obviously um neither has raced in it uh but we no. were speaking to um howard later in this podcast or i'll be speaking to Howard this podcast about actually doing the utmb which is again a completely different experience from what we had but i think the the thing for me is that when you normally go to these big races if you go to expos for marathons and stuff like that it's all very much that the expos there really to be the commercial side of it and you know you can pick up your your stuff some of them are okay but let's talk about the race village so the utmb has like a little village mm -hmm. that's basically a completely temporary setup with all of the brands associated with ultra running and trail running and that sort of thing with their 
it seems like every brand wants to be there now. I don't think there was many brands that I didn't see there. Some, some I was quite surprised they were there. But um, it's what do you think to the uh, the village? I think, as I said, I think you know, I think this is the biggest I've ever seen. I think we we would probably say that you know we've heard announcements from a massive amount of brands that have kind of tried to launch things or talk about things at UTMB and probably brands that we wouldn't expect to be there. But everyone seems to want a piece of the kind of ultra running, kind of trail running action. And I think, and I kind of said this in a post I did during that um, during that week is that it, feel, it feels like to me there's been more trail shoes launched this year yeah, than there has yeah. been road running shoes. And if, if I look through the things that I've been, been emailed about, I feel like there's been more trail shoes and it, they still seem to be coming. So clearly mm. there is a, there's a growth in it in, in terms of running. I mean, it's always been there obviously, but I think, and UTMB has become almost a, a hub for a lot of people, you know, globally and not just, you know, people in Europe and obviously, which is represented by, you know, the fact that US runners have won the, won the big one really, yeah. that this is a, this is a popular week for a lot of runners and not just in Europe as well. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, I think it's sort of, you know, you get the, uh, the road marathon milestones of the year. So obviously a lot of um, running brands work towards London marathon and you see a lot of releases up, up until London marathon because there's all the searches on the internet for, not only people doing the marathon, but also just the excitement of the marathon. Whereas with trail, I think it's always been, maybe over the past two or three years, it's lessened, but it's always been a little bit more sporadic where trail shoes are generally released throughout the year. And uh, there's never been like a central hub of like a buzz around an event. But it definitely seems, when we were walking around the um, the village, there were so many shoes that I hadn't heard of or hadn't <laughs> seen. It seems to be the launch spot for a lot of new shoes. Um, and yeah. it's not often that we don't know about shoes. So it definitely seemed like that was the, the time they'd picked to showcase them. And they, they thought they had the right people uh, looking <laughs> at them. I think it was interesting as well. I mean, I was kind of looking through, as you know, as we do, we love talking about shoes. And I was kind of, as I was kind of watching the race, obviously keeping an eye on what the, the leads, you know, the elites were wearing. And I think with um, a lot and having looked through it after the race, a lot of the runners, the winners were wearing prototypes of shoes that I, we're probably going to see next mm. year. And it's it's interesting that those shoes are being testing out. Well, I mean, not really, maybe, I guess, because this is if you're going to test a trail shoe in an environment, this is probably the ideal environment to do it where you're going to get a, a mix of terrain, that elevation, you know, you're testing it over a huge distance. So it's probably not that surprising that, you know, a lot of the ambassadors of the, you know, that have been involved in these races across the week are testing new shoes or prototype shoes for uh, these brands. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about, we've talked a, bit, a little bit about the race village. I think, what did you think to the people, the brands that were there at the race village? I thought I was, I was quite amazed because normally when you go to these, I took, bring back to road because you don't really get many sort of big expos in in the trail world. Um, and it's not an expo, it's a village, but it's really, it's it's an opportunity to sort of hit all those people that are coming down to UTMB to either take part or, or, or watch it. But for me, I think it felt a lot less commercial and it seemed like there was a lot, it was fun. It seemed like there were people just spending a long time at that 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 village and just enjoying themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, what what strikes me about when you go to Marathon Expos, it's, it's really, for I think for me, for brands, an opportunity to sell stuff on that day. And I think... It felt to me at the UTMB one, it was more a case of, oh, you know, we just want to talk about our shoe. We want to show you our shoe. You want to, you know, a lot of places would just let you try them on. And it really, it really is about, you know, getting familiar with a brand that maybe you don't know, not associated, you not, don't normally associate with trail running. I think some people will obviously buy stuff, but I don't, I never got that sense going around that the brands were trying to sell the you know the shoes ultimately that is their job and that's what it's supposed to do but it never felt like that to me and it mm. felt like I could go around and ask someone about the shoe they would talk me through it and I think yeah, yeah I agree with you it just felt you know it felt less like that kind of expo that typical marathon expo feel yeah and some really impressive runs there um the I mean you've obviously we had Hocker there who were sponsoring the event but we I think we spoke to dozens of of the different um the brands that were there I had a chat to Camelback and Chorus were there and I was there with Ultra, so they had a big, big stage. But I think the nice thing about it is that everyone's sort of, there were lots of events going on. So a lot of runs that were being organized. So if you're one of the people that, like like me, that went out there not to race, just there were still loads of runs you can get involved with and nice little bit, like little events that you could do, which I think it's probably 
you know, you get it with marathons a bit, but it's more like a shakeout run or something like that. Whereas this was, you could, you could probably book in like three runs a day with various <laughs> brands and you get to try the shoes out and, you know, you get t-shirts and, and that sort of thing. So it's quite a nice sort of fun environment if you want to just, I suppose it's a bit like a sort of festival of running. You can go and just get yeah. involved and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when you're in that environment and obviously that is the environment, and the terrain that these guys and, you know, w- women and men are running in is is tough. And you can go out on your own or go out with a few people and get a taste of mm. that and taste of what they're going to tackle. And, like you know, it doesn't you don't have to go far outside of Chamonix to really see that. I mean, you did some runs. I mean, I know we did some uh, runs together, but, you know, you can go in, out and see those trails and get a taste of it and just, you know, see what they're up against, uh, yeah. even for a short period of time. Yeah, and I, I, we went up. Uh, I did, I did a couple of runs, but I went because I've got Berlin Marathon in a couple of weeks. I went relatively <laughs> careful. Um, my coach will be pleased that I didn't go and do loads of elevation and didn't technical terrain. But we did go and do a bit of a hike um, at the top of one of the mountains. And when we were walking up it, I was thinking, "Wow, this is, this is probably like very similar to the routes that the um, that the UTB people are running on." And I just don't think I'd want to do it, to be honest, Mike. Well, I, I did, um, when I went out on the first, after the start, I think it was we our third kind of viewing point, and it was about, I don't know, it was quite late in the evening, it was dark, um, and it was just, we were just, there was just people standing on a hill, and it was like, you, it was interesting to see the runners. Some runners were running up it, some were straight away, the walking poles were out, but, you know, there were so many people watching. It was such a narrow space to be, and that was so early in the race that, you know, you, that's, that's giving you a sense of, just some of the elevation, but I yeah. mean, it, you know, I've been around that course and you can see what they have to kind of deal with. And even not in that main UTMB race, you know, the smaller, you know, smaller races, I guess, you know, are still really yeah. difficult. And people that we know have done those other races in the week and know it's, it is hard. And that elevation, you know, that's why those runners go and do it, right? Because yeah. they want to test themselves in that environment. Well, we, we knew a lot of runners out there. So big shout out to Rich, who did the CCC. Yeah. Who else have we got out there? Uh, oh, obviously, man. Howard, who we'll be talking yeah, to yeah. a bit. Yeah, Howard, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, there was, and there was a few people doing the CCC. And obviously, there was the the new events, the ETC, which I think was a bit, you know, more of a kind of intro into mm. what the kind of the level, a kind of bit of the elevation that some of the runners will kind of tackle in a shorter distance. So, yeah. yeah I mean, James I was, Paul out there doing the M, I never got MCC, I think it was. <laughs> I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I think, it's madness. You, I'm, I'm glad we went because you, you know, when you're, to be honest, I've never seen it like it before, but it seemed like everybody on Instagram was at UTM <laughs> like in various constraints. I think Hannah from uh, Twice Health did CCC as well. I might, yeah. I might got that wrong. If I get any of these race names wrong, <laughs> apologize. But yeah, I think I think for for me it was. Uh, I mean, I went to a lot of bars. I tried a lot. I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed uh, with the ultra guys. I was uh, enjoying some of the local uh, cuisine and stuff. I think you you had a bit of a different experience because your trip was. I mean, sounded pretty full on. What you you were up to? You saw everything, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think Hocker basically wanted to give us a sense of, you know, seeing as much of the race across the three countries. It goes across three countries, the race. So we were there at the start and we got a couple of the uh, stages just after the start as well. That we had to drive out to. Um, and then we uh, the following day, we woke up, we had to wake up at 4 a.m. out on a bus <laughs> to we were meant to go to Cormavea but we couldn't get there and that's where the CCC normally starts but I think it was like two or three hours traffic at even at that time of the morning so we had to abandon that we went over to Switzerland instead which I didn't do much of the last two times that I went um we saw the elites come in I saw uh, kind of Zach Miller kind of he was ahead of Jim Wormsley which was quite interesting to see because the next stage we saw they had swapped over Apparently, you know, for some reason, Wormsley had had a kit change as well. But it was, yeah, it was good to see it at different stages, at different times of the day. And then, yeah, I mean, I would say Howard, you know, you're going to be speaking to Howard. And, you know, he not running elite times, but ran an amazing time. And he wasn't, he didn't finish until I got, you know, early hours in the morning. And, and you know, I got to see him at the early hours of the morning with other runners. And, it, you know, it keeps on going throughout the day, the following day, Madness, even when it? we're leaving. And the support, people are always supporting. And I think that's, that's something yeah. that's kind of very special about being in Chamonix and you know for the Eton being that week. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting. I, I nipped into town quite a lot, so we were both staying quite central. So I'd be nipping in and out of town to sort of 
go and look at things and catch a bit of the race. But the final part of the race, I mean, the, the start of the race for the big UTMB looked absolutely incredible. Like the whole, everybody is out. It's crowds of people lining the streets as people run out. And it it's a phenomenal experience, especially that start line. It's, it's. I mean, yeah. you go online, you can find pictures of it. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely incredible. But I think for me, the most interesting bit is that finish line where, you know, you might have, 20 minutes where there's just nothing nothing going on then suddenly some some guy some some uh woman runs through and the whole of chamonix on who can see it just sort of run over and just start cheering for this person coming in and you don't know like you don't know what race they're in until you they get closer and you see the uh the number that they've got on but it's it's very nice i mean you can sort of see there's a very nice sense i imagine if we ever did one of these races and i probably won't <laughs> but that's a very nice way to finish a race where you just sort of, you know, that you just people are just going to be there. Although I thought it was quite hilarious that there's, there's literally only two chairs outside of the finish line, basically. You've got all these runners <laughs> coming through who are absolutely dying on their ass and there's like two chairs and there's generally someone from the UTMB sitting on one of the chairs and people are asking, can can we sit on the chair? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can. Literally two chairs for all these runners. They've been running like pretty much all day and all night. But yeah, it is something pretty special and actually being in coming into the finish line and being in that kind of press area that we were allowed access to obviously um was great to get a, a sense you know i saw the mixture of emotions in the press area even at the start you see people you see the nerves you see the excitement you just see people you know silent you know i could for the elites i could see you know tom evans is you know obviously he had, he had a tough race and obviously had to drop out but you could see very focused very quiet and other races there was one guy kind of kneeling down kind of you know obviously i don't know why he didn't want to stand up at the start of the race but it's mm. bizarre people's pre you know race approaches and being able to be that close to see it as well i don't even know how i mean i've, I've done a couple of like little ultras but <laughs> the flat ultras but i've done um but you know the, the nerves you get at the start of the marathon i can't even imagine if you were doing the utmb and you're doing what is it, 170k or something like that? I don't even know. I would because like, the nerves aren't just like I want to get a good time. Yeah, you don't you don't know what's going to happen on it. You don't know it's dangerous. It's you know if you if you do finish it, you, you're looking at a pretty tough ride all the way. So you know when you do a marathon and you you kind of go, oh, I'm a bit nervous about it, but you sort of cross the finish line. You go, yeah, it's quite hard, <laughs> but you know. But I think the UCMB. Some of the stories from people like at what they went through across it and how hard it was. I, I think the nerves at the start of that would be absolutely incredible. We'll find out from Howard. Well, I think because it's, you know, you're, you're thinking about the distance, you're thinking about the elevation, you're thinking about dealing with the altitude, you know, yeah. you're thinking, and also thinking about going through the night. All those, and like you say, the, you know, the ultras that we've kind of experienced, you maybe do some of that, have to deal with some of that. You have to deal with all of those things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you say, and, you know, you'll get into it with Howard, but there was definitely, you know, list, talking to some other runners, the things that they have to deal with. Even on those kind of uh, on the the races, you know, leading up to the main UTMB one, there is a yeah. lot to deal with and have to tackle. And you've got a time cut off, so you've got that added, yeah. added element of distress <laughs> that you know you, you can't even be do it slowly. Whereas a lot of races, you're not worried about that. It's yeah. yeah. So while we we're out there, Mike, what did what were you testing? Because we were testing a few things while we we're out in the UTMB. Yeah, so I had the well, we had, I just got the Chorus Pace three, so you know I literally had that for a day, so that was an opportunity to go and do some more testing with that, which was great. Um, and I think you know early, early impressions. I think that's another solid kind of update for Coros. Probably still their best value watch, even though it's gone up a little bit in price. Shoes wise, it was the Hocker Stinson seven, which is another Road to Trail shoe and Hocker's um, collection. So. It's going to join things like the Hocker Challenger 7. It's a little bit more expensive. Um, I would say it's a little bit like the Challenger 7 in the sense that it's really about kind of soaking up a lot of mileage, not necessarily a shoe that you're going to want to run massively quick in, but it's a shoe that's well-equipped if you've got to mix up road and a bit of trail time, maybe more light trails, maybe not the technical stuff that, you know, you get uh, in Chamonix, but, you know, it has the capability to do that and, you know, give you something that's quite stable and quite smooth and let you kind of sail through those miles so i ran with that and then I, you did some running with it as well in part of your training run knocked out of 10 miles as part of my 20 mile <laughs> run yeah uh I, I we did the review so they were the first run and it's up on the the channel now i think what, what i said about it was it reminds me of the bondi but mm. if you convert the bondi to a trail shoe it's actually not that bad it's on a road bondi is quite a dull bulky 
an, an exciting shoe for me. Whereas yeah. that same sort of design actually is quite nice on the trails because it's a bit softer, feels really sturdy and protective. It's just a, it's just a workhorse, isn't it? Because Cru- cruise you through the miles. You know, you're never going to run fast in it. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, I, 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 I was, I was testing the Ultra uh, Timp Four, and I, I've only tested one Ultra shoe before, and that was the Outroad Two. And the Outro Two, I didn't mind, but it was a little bit too firm for me. Uh, it's sort of meant to be a road to trail shoe, but it's too firm for the road for me. So I didn't really, um, I didn't really enjoy it as much as uh, I did the Timp Four. And the Timp Four, I actually spoke to the guys at Ultra, and they suggested that the Temp 4 because it was I don't think it's the highest cushion shoe but it's pretty pretty cushioned so I did 10 miles in that before doing it in the, the Stinson and what I found was that zero drop is tricky to get your head around <laughs> uh, and especially because I got Berlin Marathon in two weeks and Nick keeps saying to me stop messing about and testing shoes that you're not used to uh, with no drop and playing tennis when I shouldn't be um, but I did find that it was at 10 miles I was expecting to really notice the fact that I wasn't experienced in a in a zero drop shoe but mm. it's absolutely fine I, it's quite a lot softer than i expected it to be but i did find that after 10 miles when i switched to the stinson i really noticed the stability of it and and that was a nice welcome one because i when i left you and carried on doing some running in stinson i, I actually went yeah. up a bit more into the the forest and hills and it got a bit gravelly a bit pointy uh and i was a bit tired so i definitely <laughs> think it was um uh, I like I like the stability of it. I think it's a I think it's a I think it's a good shoe from as a trail shoe for a lot of people. But I yeah. did say that if you wanted a, a faster shoe, a more versatile shoe, you're gonna have to buy two shoes. <laughs> and then obviously, I guess you know, and Nick was there was out there kind of before, so he had the Adidas Terex Agravich Speed mm-hmm. Ultra. So and then we've got a video up on the channel of that as well. So that's you know a couple of. I think the CCC and I think the OCC, the women's runners, they ran in and won in that shoe. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of a different different kind of um, category in terms of trail shoe, definitely a more good, aggressive, speedy one. But Nick's kind yeah. of delved into that on the channel as well. So there's is, that, yeah, there's a, is that a top pick for the Orion Ultra? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's going to go for. He hasn't really decided yet. He hasn't oh, done his video yet. But... It's exciting, isn't it? Finding out what he's going <laughs> to pick for the famous Orion Ultra. Yeah, uh, weekend. <laughs> um, nice. Okay, and then um, so pace three, we're going to be doing a review of that in the next week or so. Uh, I've been testing it as well; very much enjoying it. Pace just solid, um, yeah. and I think the updates to it uh, uh, justify the uh, additional cost for me and and the sort of uh, improvements that have been made, to some of the features and sort of GPS type stuff. But we will yeah. um, we'll dip into that uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. Big win for me for uh utmb <laughs> did you you get the chorus hat i did get the chorus hat. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed with the chorus hat it's like um it's basically just a running hat but it's got a velcro front on it and you get loads of badges velcro badges and you can change the chorus badges that you put on it i now, think you're gonna have to put, uh, put a little video up on this on the channel just to show people how. i'll do a uh i'll do an instagram post with the hat yeah. on because i've been wearing it loads but what I really want to do, and of course probably won't be pleased that I want to do this, <laughs> is get some more badges made and, and stick other things on it, like have a, I don't know, Seinfeld badge or something like that. And stick it on. <laughs> so I've got a running cap that I can redesign every time I go out. I don't there's know what I've never it for. No, exactly. There's not enough Velcro caps because then, you know, um, you, you can just well, mix I, it up. I, I, when we got it, I, I thought, hold on, there must there must be more of these because like, that's genius idea, being able to yeah. change the design of your cap. I can't find anything. I can't find anything anywhere. I've had a couple of um, sort of standard caps that yeah. you can do it on, but not running caps. I think I think that's a new thing. I think Chorus have you know, created something quite impressive there. Obviously, it's quite counterproductive if you start changing the badges on Chorus, but uh, yeah, I reckon I reckon it's a smart move. And I think um, the only thing, only thing I would actually also quickly mention, I can probably talk about it more next month, is I did go to see Sunto uh, while I was out there, sneaky sneaky, and they have got something pretty big coming up, which I can't talk about right now, but mm. I think it's pretty exciting, and I have had some time with it, so we'll learn about more. We'll learn more about that next month, uh, where I can talk about it a bit more. But there's definitely something, some new weeks. things coming. New things coming. We'll we'll put it up. You'll hear about it on. Oh, well, I had a sneak peek of a new piece of kit that's coming out in a few months from Camelback, which I was quite pleased with. Excellent. So I can't say anything about that now, but um, it's 
I've tested it on a few runs now, and I'm pretty pleased with it. But that, the, my favorite thing I got from them was a really big, uh, it's like a <laughs> coffee tumbler. It's like a pint t- coffee tumbler in like a metal a metal one. I'm using it all the time. It's just my glass all the time. I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah, I'm just, uh, but I, you know, I'm just walking around with Chorus cap on and drinking out of a big tumbler. Sorted for your vert training. Get your vert training for UTMB. You'll be fine. That's all you need. Absolutely, absolutely sorted. <laughs> absolutely sorted. And then uh, I suppose the only thing from the week. So I hit the hit the track. Did you go on the? Have you know, just been on the track before? I've been on the track before, but I didn't get a chance to um, this time. But yeah, how did you find? It's not a full. It's not a full four hundred meter. Track, no, is it? it's so. Kate, Kate, <laughs> Kate Carter has told me about this. She said the first time she went on it, she thought, "Wow, I've really improved my speed." <laughs> like the fastest 400 meter lap she'd ever done but i don't know i think it's like 300 and something um <laughs> but i wasn't running fast enough to know so yeah <laughs> i was testing out the uh Saucony endorphin cheetahs spikes which um i mean i've never used spikes in my life so talking about utmb and ended up talking about <laughs> spikes on a track but i've got to mix it up a bit for the audience haven't you? Uh, so we uh so I, I i tried that out i didn't do too much i did about 3k on the track wowzers i it's a weird experience running in spikes. Uh, have you, you tried it before? I've uh, like once, but a very long time ago. But would you say you converted to uh, wearing tracks, uh, wearing spikes? I, I, I think <laughs> it is. I mean, another thing that Nick had a go at me for <laughs> two weeks before Berlin. Don't just try Seen... track shoes. Notoriously bad for calves and stuff like that if you're not used to it. But I did. I, I mean, they're fast. They're obviously really fast and short yeah. reps. Wow. Yeah, really good. But yeah, I didn't go all out. So I think I might. I might do Berlin and then take them out and actually do a proper session because <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'll. I, oh, Nick won't. Do, do you not do your shakeout run in Berlin in your in your spikes? <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. I bet there's, there's a track <laughs> close by. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right then. Well, uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to go and have a chat to Howard now and see what the cool. the UTMB was like for an actual runner out there and not not two people having a good time. <laughs> Enjoy. Catch you later. So hi, Howard. Welcome to the podcast. How's it all going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Recovering slowly. I imagine so. So you have just been out to UTMB to do the full UTMB, which is, is it 170k? Uh, Yeah, something like that. 105 miles, I think. Yeah, it's too much. It's far too much. I was was out there and, well, me and Mike were out there and um, we obviously weren't running. Well, I did a a bit of running on the, on the, uh, the flats looking up at the mountains and then I did a bit of hiking on the mountains and I I've never done a, a like a proper mountain race before and it just looked ridiculously hard was it <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah it was it I you know I've done quite a few ultras now and it was the hardest I'd say the hardest race I've ever done without a doubt and so, it's the it's the I suppose it's less. I mean, the distance is hard, but it's the it's the climbing and descending. Uh, yeah. So ten thousand meters of vertical gain over the hundred and five miles. It's absolute killer. I, I can't even imagine what ten thousand meters is like. Is that has what's the highest elevation you've got to in a in a race or a run before that? Uh, so it's around six thousand meters. Okay. Probably done th- three runs uh, on about that. So, uh, yeah, an extra 4,000 metres on top of that. Yeah, it's weird because you look at the, the profile of the race, you know, online, you see the climbs and they, it doesn't look too bad when you're looking at it. But yeah. when you're actually in the race, climbing these switchbacks, it, it, it kind of never ends. You, you look around each corner and you think this has got to be the last one. And, and you know, it just keeps on going. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I talked to some people who've done the, the shorter races and, and, that they sounded hard enough. So, so what made you decide to do the UTMB? Was it a, a goal that you'd had for a long time, or did you just fancy it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those races I'd got uh, on the list of races I wanted to have a go at. So, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's such a sort of iconic race, and being in Chamonix the last week of August every year is as a trail runner. You know. It, there's like 20,000 other trail runners in that tiny town it's it's the only place really you want to be at that time of the year because it's just a great atmosphere I mean you've been there as well it's 
you've got yeah. these big name trail runners sort of mingling with, with all yeah. their fans and just walking around and there's seven races in the week across the whole week and it's um the atmosphere is just electric there for the whole I, week I, i've never I, i've never been i've been chamois a few times but i've never actually i've never been there for utmb i know mike's been there a couple of times before and i couldn't quite get my head around it because from being a road runner the, the only equivalent really is either the race day at the, a marathon or the expo they're the sort of two the two main things and i couldn't quite get my head around what people were doing the rest of the time at chamonix it just seemed like well and the other thing as well is that you know you go and see a marathon you stand in a spot and you see all the runners const, like you're constantly watching runners it's like a, a, a consistent uh level of excitement but with with utmb you can go you can be sat down near the finish line and nothing's happening for an hour and then suddenly some some bloke starts running through while you're just halfway through your sandwich and everyone just gets up and starts starts cheering it's it's i've never i i didn't understand what it was going to be like before i went and uh and it's it, the other thing as well is like the expo i say the expo it's not an expo it's a village it's a it's a an athlete village i just assumed before i went that it it was going to be like an expo but it's really it's really like a little shopping village isn't it for for actual uh, brands that people want to see so it's quite a, it's a very different vibe to, to to the to the town when you go over yeah yeah and it's um i think it's the fact that it goes on all week as well mm. and you know uh there's loads of events and talks and screenings and all kinds of stuff you can really sort of get immersed in that world yeah it's it's great it's a great place to be at yeah and pe- people go there who aren't taking part in any of the races they just want to be there and, and be part of the the scene and just 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 enjoy it i mean to be honest it's it's a pretty nice place to go and do that i mean if it was in bradford <laughs> you're probably going to be less likely for for people to to visit because there are people from all over the world i was chatting to bars and stuff that had come over to to see it well yeah and I, I mean you see that in the race as well you you've got your little um number and name and flag that you attach to the back of your pack so that you can always see the person in front and where they're from and it was just it was from across the the, the globe that, that I saw runners in UTMB. It's incredible. It's, really. it's sort of the, it must be like the central event, if not, you know, one of the top three central events. If you're in the ho- across the whole world, that, that I can't think of anything that runs over that period with so many races and stuff. Yeah, no, there's nothing like it. And it was its 20th year this year as well. So it was obviously um, big sort of anniversary celebrations as well. Mm-hmm. That would explain why there's so many people there. But yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the race then. So people listening to this might be listening after you, you've done the race or they might be listening in 2024 as they're planning to do UTMB as well and want some uh, uh, some guidance on what they can expect from it. So what's it like in the run-up to the to, to, to doing the full UTMB? You're, you're in Chamonix. You're, what, how long were you there before, before the start of the race? I got there the day before, so right. it, starts, it starts on Friday, start uh, 6 p.m. Friday evening, so I arrive Thursday morning, yeah, which is probably quite late. A lot of people get there a week before, you know, the pro runners spend a couple of months beforehand getting used to it. I just had to sort of get there and pick up my uh, bib number and then, yeah, just got ready for the next day. So. I always get slightly stressed in uh, these these ultras about the mandatory kit list. That's, you know, for UTMB, you've got a long list of stuff that you have to carry with you. And uh, there's also additional lists for hot weather and cold weather. So um, they check it actually on the course at one of the aid stations, you get sort of uh, asked to produce three specific items so you've got to, you know you've got to ensure that you carry it all the way around with you uh so yeah making sure i had all the mandatory kits and obviously there's the expo there so you can buy any anything you've forgotten um, yeah. and then yeah the, the sort of day of the race the friday 6 p.m start is is always a weird time to start a race because you've got the whole day anticipating that start you know, you're thinking about what am I going to eat? You're trying to stay sort of horizontal and, you know, not moving as much as as possible. 
so I kind of I kind of spent the day resting. I had to drop off my um, drop bag, so you can have a drop bag at the, the halfway point with some, uh, you know, whatever you want to put in there, change of kit, nutrition. Uh, and I think the biggest the biggest stress I had was was shoe choice. Um, right. So I spent a long time debating between two pairs of of trail shoes uh, because about five weeks previously I'd run Lakeland One Hundred which was the first 100 miler I'd ever done. And the wet conditions resulted in, in sort of mild trench foot. Uh, I had horrendous blisters on the soles of my feet, which had just about healed by the time of UTMB. And um, yeah, I'd ran. I, I, so I'm a big fan of this, the Speedgoat 5s. Mm, yeah. uh, I generally not had any issues with them and um, uh, until Lakeland 100 when my feet were such a mess so I wasn't sure whether to go with them and risk getting blisters on the soles or um the, my other choice was the Mephates um uh, mm-hmm. fours and they were a bit tight around the toes and I was slightly worried about uh you know destroying my toes so in the end I went with the Speedgoat fives and they were they were fine it was just I think I realized on the first major downhill that you're you're essentially your your feet just are pressed up against the the front of the toe box because it's so steep. Yeah, uh, and uh, immediately I was like, "This is this is going to be painful." You know, fifty, seventy so, k. I'm going to be in agony. But, was it the right choice? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, I think um, I didn't get blisters on the soles of my feet. I taped them all in sort of preparation to prevent that, but but. You know, I've lost probably five toenails. Um, I suppose that's which, part of the course, isn't it? It's part <laughs> of the course, yeah. And, and it is the downhills that, that really you see lots of people trying to go down sideways towards the end of the mm. race because it's it's just it's relentless. They're so long, and there's nothing yeah. you can do in the UK really to train for that kind of uh, terrain. So um, yeah, it was all sort of building towards that six pm start on the Friday. Let's talk about a bit the the, the sort of sections of the race. Now, when you start off a UTMB, what it's six o'clock at night? It's a bit of a weird time to start. What what is that first bit of the race like? What is it exciting? Is it are you scared? Is it hard to start straight away, or is it just everyone's in the you know elated about being part of the big pack? I think there's a lot of there's a lot of elation. You know, there's a lot of adrenaline. You're, I, I started the race probably 2,000 people back. I mean, there's 2,600 runners. I didn't get very far towards the front. And you're all bunched into um, the square uh, in Chamonix where, you know, where the finish line is, that iconic finish line. And the race starts and you're almost walking through the town because it's quite narrow. The crowds through Chamonix are unbelievable. You know, it's like London Marathon, but but kind of more more frenetic. You know, the yes. the, the crowd yeah. are going crazy. It's obviously six pm Friday night. A lot of drinks flowing. You get out of Chamonix, and it's pretty flat for the first fifteen twenty k. Um, it's like riverside trails, and actually, I completely stacked it uh, about fifteen k in. Oh, embarrassingly, God. I tripped over a, a tiny rock, completely rolled. Graze, graze my legs, shoulder. That's uh, not what you got want. Got to myself the, the off. I, like, I haven't even, st- I haven't even hit a, mar- um, a mountain yet. And uh, I'm coming from Lincolnshire. I should also be used to uh, flatlands, but yeah. So that was that was a little embarrassing. I think it's just the the adrenaline is is going. You know, I was also probably running a bit fast, trying to make up. Um, you know, trying to pass runners and, and make up a few positions. And then and then you enter probably two or three towns, Lazouche and uh, a couple of others where, again, the, the crowd's just just unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like it in any of the races that I've done. You know, there's uh, air horns. There's just so much cheering and excitement and throwing beer on the runners and that all builds towards the first major climb, which was honestly like the Tour de France crowds. You know, they're, they're, 
uh, it's at the Notre Dame de la Gorge. They, they crowd in. So you're running up a very narrow, single track, steep climb. And these, I mean, they're blowing air horns in your face. They're waving like red flares. There's a guy revving a chainsaw. And, and I, I, yeah, it, it was just such a great experience. Just that, just that section that, you, you know, I think my heart yeah. rate must have gone up to like 190 or something. You're just uh, blown away by it. Uh, it, was, it was great. And then, and then sort of once you've passed through that crowd, that was probably like half 10, 11 p.m., then it sort of quietens down. You've got the first major climb and uh, you can sort of settle down and, and get into the rhythm of the of the race. So what what's the, I mean, it sounds like there's a bit of a big juxtaposition between the the busy bits. And obviously you're, when you're in the mountains and stuff, you're, you're, you're probably in, in into some of the most lonely and quiet spots you'd ever run in. Well, how's, how's that feel when you're going, you're jumping between those those sorts of bits? Yeah, I mean it's um, it is it's quite a uh, a difference. You need that quietness, I think, after the the adrenaline spike in crowds to just kind of you know suddenly settle into it. the only sound is like your the sound of poles tapping and and my own uh, heavy breathing. Yeah, I mean you're in a, you're usually in a long line of of runners. You know, there's someone pretty much directly in front of you someone behind you and uh you're kind of just settling in for a, a two-hour climb at least two and a half mm-hmm. three hours for these big climbs and um that first night i mean the weather was pretty good uh that's other obviously another major factor that can affect the race but we were lucky this year um you know early in the week they'd had snow up up on some of the, the summits and um we had fair weather we had sort of low cloud cover once we, we hit the very highest points. So you needed to, um, you know, add a few extra layers. And actually it was all, I mean, it, it was, you couldn't see far ahead with your headlamp on. It was um, uh, right on the summits. You kind of having to be careful because it's pretty rocky. And then, yeah, downhills, I was taking pretty easy because you just don't want to roll an ankle or, or, or yeah. anything at that, at that height. At that time of night so yeah first night was just um getting through it and uh trying to you know keep moving i think the next the next the, the major issue for me was sort of nutrition issues i was struggling to eat anything solid at the aid stations the aid stations have got a great huge range of of sort of foods and uh, uh nutrition and um i always struggle to eat anything solid during these longer ultras like I just can't seem to you know chew and swallow stuff it's it's mainly liquid based nutrition for me but it was even worse this time and by the time I got to um Cormier at 80k so that's where your drop bag is that's like in a big sports hall and the advice I'd heard there was to kind of get in and get out because that's where loads of people drop uh Mm. you know they they sort of call it a day you've done it you're not even halfway actually at that point and having run i ran the ccc in uh, 2019 which starts at, at that point basically and is essentially pretty much the same route into uh chamonix from there another 100k so i kind of knew what was ahead at that point i was feeling pretty awful and and, and that's when the thoughts of like uh you know it'd be easy just to drop at this point that's when they come in so from that point, it's a mental battle to just try and get out the aid station and, and keep moving towards the next one, um, which I did. You've got a huge climb from that point. You're in Italy. At least you're into the second country. And there's a long climb up, you know, like a mountain refuge where um, one of the volunteers at the aid station basically saw how rough I was looking and was like, look, just get some soup in you. And they do this sort of uh, soup, which is essentially stock. You know, it's um, it's pretty easy to drink. So I drank some of that. She goes, drink some Coke, which normally I avoid Coke on ultras. I'm, I, I find it, it doesn't agree with me, but I drank that. And um, from that point on, I started to feel a lot better. So mm-hmm. uh, really, it's to thank that that volunteer at that aid station. She was, uh, she was very insistent and uh, oh, shout out to the, to the volunteer then Phil, yeah, when you yeah. finish. i mean all the volunteers were amazing you know all the marshals huge team that, 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 that it takes to get 
get get this race uh, done. So I know Mike came to see you at the finish line, but he mentioned that you had some really tough bits in the race that 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 you you weren't sure whether you were going to continue. What were the what would you say were the really low points of of the race for you? Well, that that you know I was feeling worst out, out of the whole the whole race coming to call my air. Just was like you, it's just the fact that I hadn't really had enough calories probably and. Um, you just know what's coming. You know you've got three. Well, you've got one major climb up to um, Calder Ferret, uh, and that's huge. And then after that, you've got you've still got three climbs to do before you get back to Chamonix, and they look small, probably a thousand meters or so, eight hundred meters to a thousand meters. But when when you're in it, doing it, it just you know. Well, it's it, not that's not small in UK terms. It's <laughs> the most you're going to get. You're you're passing people you know kind of sat on rocks just looking in despair their head in their hands and you're trying to encourage them to to keep going you know I had to stop and you know multiple times in fact uh, I even took a nap on a on a picnic bench probably just 10 minutes just because I was feeling um, pretty rough at that point and you know you're going into the second night the second night's coming up you know the you're not going to finish in daylight no chance so it's just you know you think well I've got to prepare myself for for running through another night um not entirely sure how long it's going to take you to finish in fact time kind of goes out the window you have no concept of how long you've been running or, or what the time is apart from whether it's dark or light well from from the low points to and we'll we'll talk about the finish uh, in a bit but throughout the race there's there's probably things obviously you've got the towns that's that's a little bit of a bump for you know mentally to to, to maybe see those towns and is there anything what what would you say for throughout the, the the whole race the times where you thought you really started to pick up and, and and get excited again i mean a lot of it's scenery based you've you know obviously you run through the night the first night so you miss a lot of the, the french I, I missed a lot of that first sort of french uh section sunrise was once we were kind of in Italy and that Italian section was absolutely stunning you know you're kind of you're looking around and and suddenly I find myself veering off the track and you're like I better just keep an eye on where I'm running here because I'm on a a dangerously high uh, cliff edge you know the the sun was out the skies were blue it was that you can't fail to be inspired by by what you're running through and then you move from Italy into Switzerland that again you could sort of slightly different uh, environment you know it kind of got huge grass meadows and loads of cows you hear their cow bells in fact we had to stop at one point because three cows were like crossing the path in front of us um, yeah it's I, I think you, you you just don't see scenery like that anywhere else in the world I think that's what draws you know most of the mm. runners there to it um, you know, you're running around this hugely iconic mountain through three countries. Uh, there's no other race like that, really, that offers that. And yeah. what, would you, what would you say about the, obviously, I've never done one of these big ultra marathons, but what's the, the camaraderie like with people? Is it very much you're on your own or are you, are you, do you get involved with the other people that are running it? Yeah, it's uh, it's very much, you know, everyone is supporting each other, even there's a lot of language barriers and obviously people from different countries and uh you know uh they're, they're all you're all going through the same thing and everyone you know can appreciate the pain that you might be in at certain points and sometimes you're in a good space and you're you feel like you're making good progress other times you're having to dig yourself out of the pain cave and you know other other runners are encouraging you along so yeah it's a great it's a great sense of camaraderie and uh you know people were kind of encouraging you like when you're resting to to get back involved don't don't sit you know resting too long otherwise you're getting cold you're it's much harder to get going so um so yeah it's it was it was good but you find that you're running with different people all the time because even at the aid stations you I was taking quite a long time at the aid stations whereas some people are much more efficient in getting in and out pretty rapidly so you're constantly running with with different people i found all right let's jump on to the 
coming into the finish. Now that must be after after that distance and that elevation. What what is the feeling as you as you as you see Chamonix for the first time and you, you start to make your way there? Well, I've been focused on the finish line for the whole race, basically. You know, it kind of uh, mentally helps me get get around the race. So when we came into Chamonix, it kind of I think the route had changed slightly towards the last 20k or so so I was expecting uh, it to be like the CCC when I ran that but it was actually different and we kind of just popped out of this long downhill and I suddenly recognized where we were in Chamonix and we were like less than 2k from the finish and I was like <laughs> it, I was absolutely shocked because I, I thought I had a lot longer to go and it was such a relief because I was like well you know the sort of you've seen the finish if you've watched UTMB live any point in the past you know when they hit that riverside path you're practically there you know and suddenly I was like well unless I fall over now I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this finish and uh so I suddenly found a, a little bit extra energy you've got quite a long uh path next to the river uh, you turn right you're into the Chamonix town center and that's where I saw Mike at like because I was finishing at about four half four a.m and so I, would, I wasn't expecting to see anyone at that point. And Mike was shouting me and uh, he ran in with me. And, uh, oh, did he? Yeah, that was a great, uh, you know, just such a boost. And looking back at the video of myself kind of running in, I'm practically collapsing forward. I'm, you know, uh, I'm so sort of hunched over with exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, you run, yeah, you run through. And even at 4 a.m., there was, there was people there you know watching the finishes come in and cheering you in so um yeah just finishing it's a, it's it's just a huge relief i think everyone would agree that you know it's um you don't have to run anymore you don't have to put one foot in front of the, the other you can sit down and well what i was going to say what is rest. the you know you finish a marathon you you're still in a pretty good state after a marathon you may be a bit tired but you can still sort of you know say all oh, right i'm going to get some food now i'm going to go and have a sit down or whatever after that race, what is when you've crossed that finish line? What's the first thing you think about doing? You just say, "I just need to pass out somewhere here," or "I'm so hungry," or what, what's that sort of first feeling you get? Yeah, for me, it's just not having to move. So I just want to collapse somewhere into a seat. There was a seat right at the finish. I, I I can't eat or drink anything really, and yeah, just resting, kind of recuperating, and and just taking in the moment. That, that you've done it you've you've achieved this thing that you were hoping to uh to get around so yeah it felt great just not to have to keep running anymore really oh i bet you have you got another one uh, in the plan anytime soon or are you done for a while i think i've done for a while i mean i'm always looking looking at the race calendar for next year so yeah it's I've got... quite hard to top it isn't it once you once you sort of did, you've done that it's finding something else to, to compare it with is a tricky one well it is a bit and uh I think my wife's always like, oh, now you're going to want to do a 200-mile race. You know, that is... Yeah. Going further at the moment is not something that appeals. It was more just, just entering and being part of that that race was something that I wanted to do. Wow. Well, you did it. That's, uh, yeah, very good. So let's so for the for the listeners uh, who may be listening to this thinking they might want to do it or maybe they are going to do it and they're already signed up then by the time they're listening to this, what would be the things that, based on the fact that you've now done it, any advice you can give or maybe something you did wrong or things that you didn't think about before doing it that you now know? Yeah, so I think in terms of my training, I, I trained for this race slightly differently, I think, than maybe I would have done in the past, which was didn't do really long runs, basically. The longest run I did in training was probably about 25 miles. My aim was to try and build volume in a week, so I was aiming to get a few hundred K weeks in, um, which meant just trying to run when I could. And obviously having hills in the south of England is, is a bit of an issue as well. So I was trying to find the biggest hill I could and, and do lots of hill repeats up and down that. So maybe uh, 20, 30 times of a hill of about 200, 250 meters. That helped, I think. And, and the other big thing, big difference I made was with my strength training so uh, strength and conditioning I tried to do twice a week with with heavier weights which I think really helped the other advice I'd give is use poles so uh, I mean 90% of runners I saw in the UTMB had poles 
my pole running technique is not great. Mm. You see some people who have absolutely nailed it and they're kind of just fast hiking uh, while, while you think you're going fast and they're just like moving past you so so sort of swiftly and efficiently. I could definitely do some work on running with poles you know, mm. uphill. That's de- definitely a big area. A lot of people who, who I speak to do ultras just buy poles before they go out thinking that's you know that's going to help but it's actually counterproductive you don't know how to use the poles you're carrying around two things that aren't helping you and you're actually just like slapping them into the ground so i i I've, I've never been that good at using poles but definitely the people i know who can use them well say it's essential to to how they how they run yeah i think it's a game changer if you can if you can get loads of practice in uh maybe even do a course or a session of someone teaching you how to hike with them properly I think that would make a big difference. So yeah, and then yeah, nutrition. I'm not really sure how I can sort of fix that issue. The issues that I have. I mean, everyone has issues at some point in these long races. It's just part of it, I guess. You just got to deal with it and try and try and mentally think. Well, this is going to be temporary. Uh, yeah. It will get better. Um, well, I suppose in nutrition, there's two sides to it. Really, there's the yes, you can learn if there's anything that really doesn't work for you. So, you know, there's certain foods and things that you just, just don't, just don't agree with you. But then the other side is there's things that you're never going to know over that distance, over that elevation, you know, your body's going to respond in a different way than you used to. So yeah, that's a, yeah, it's, it's got to be a tricky one, isn't it? So there's only so much you can do when it comes to nutrition. Yeah. You can't really, you can't prepare for, for, for running for, 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 I mean, I was out there for nearly 35 hours, so you could test uh, you could test different products beforehand but um how your body reacts on a day you know it could be down to the weather it could be down to all sorts of things so i think that the most important thing is just trying to to get through it and and think it is temporary it won't last forever i think the other the other kit issue i had was head torch Mm -hmm. um i could have done with a better battery life on the head torch Mm -hmm. so as part of the kit you have to take two head torches with batteries for both and um one night i got through three batteries basically on one 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 on on both head torches so yeah that's something i need to look at next time no one else seemed to be having the issues that i was having but uh Mm. maybe it's just my choice Uh, you know you can spend a lot on a head torch but it's probably probably mine was sort of mid-range it's probably worth going for the top of the range uh yeah, I imagine head torches are a very tricky one because you've got so many factors involved. You've got the battery, you've got the weight of it. You don't want that weight on your head if it's you know if there's a better battery life in it. It's well, most of them are USB charging now as well. So if you're taking, yeah. you can recharge it with a power bank for the next night. Um, yeah. But if you're going through two nights, you've got to really um, have that issue sorted. So I think I would have been all right, but I would have been down to my backup head torch on a very low lumens light which could have yeah. slowed me down even more. But yeah, yeah, that's one thing to sort for next time. If... All right, well then, let, let's just jump on to kit then. Talked a little bit about some kit there. What? How did, how did your planning go into actually choosing the kit that you're using? You mentioned your shoes, but what else, what else did you take with you that was really needed a lot of thought? So I guess one useful bit of kit uh, is a race belt. So you've obviously got your pack on. And I've got, you know, most packs have quivers now for your poles. I always find putting them in, back in after you you've reached the top of a hill, uh, difficult. So actually, a race belt you can just kind of slot them in behind on the elastic behind at the base of your back. That's quite a lot easier I found. So I was kind of using a race belt uh, for the poles as well as just for easy access to to uh, gels and and um, other bits and pieces you might find not so easy to access on your pack because your pack is pretty full with a mandatory kit it's actually quite heavy so uh yeah race belt was a useful addition um, just for extra storage really aside from that and the head torch issue i don't think you know there are any other major major kit issues or um, Mm. problems Nice. So you said you've not really got anything. You're not sure what's going to be coming up next. Are there any races that you've thought about or you've been looking at and you think, I wouldn't mind giving that one a go? Uh, I think for me, Western States is uh, one I would like to 
one day have a go at. It's uh, it's obviously difficult to get into. Uh, it's a small number. There's about 300 runners a year, and they've got a ballot system where uh, the the more times you apply, the more entries into the ballot you get. So, yeah, but they have quite a a, a sort of small list of qualifying races that, that they will only take those races on the list. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's such a historic race that it would be good to... Um, be part of that at some point maybe if, I, if i'm lucky enough to get in maybe i'll join you at some point yeah i won't i won't absolutely <laughs> won't not a chance not a chance cool well thanks so much for taking us through that howard it's uh it's good to it's good to get someone's view on on the experience uh especially somebody who, who's who's more like us normal person doing it as opposed to the elites that find it easy but uh, congratulations on finishing it and uh looking forward to seeing what you you got in next Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd recommend a, a, any runner, you know, maybe think about it at some point. It does kind of seem so insurmountable, but I think you know, I don't know what the dropout rate is. Maybe forty percent. So uh, you know, I st- I was watching the last hour, the golden hour of the runners coming in, and it was just I think that's the most emotional that I got seeing these these runners who've been out there for forty six hours crossing the line and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just an amazing experience, and um, nothing quite like it. I think. Well, congratulations, and congratulations, to everyone else who who finished it as well. Yeah, yeah, to everyone. Cheers, Howard. Thanks, Tom. That's it from us on this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget to head over to the YouTube channel and like and subscribe all the videos and give us a follow on the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you next time. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by Mike Saw, Tom Wheatley, and the guest was Howard Calvert. The music was by Fear of Tigers. Fear of Tigers.